Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason, 888-957-9570. Hour number two, talking Warriors and Nuggets. Dubs up 3-0 in that series as we're going to be with you until 1 o'clock. Special four-hour edition, Whitey, and and four hours for the remainder of the playoffs, uh, regardless of of where this team is at. And a week from today, we could be talking about game one, round two of a series uh, against the Grizzlies. Uh, which could begin as early as, I think technically it could begin as early as a week from tonight, uh, but the Warriors and the and the Grizzlies Timberwolves winner would be on the track of, if they need to play game six, it would be on Friday. And so there still could be that game, even if that series ended on Friday, they, they still could have game one on, on Sunday uh, for, mm. for television purposes. So there's a strong likelihood at this point, and I know you're pretty high on Memphis now closing things out after the big comeback in game three, that that, that series could begin as, as early as, as next weekend. When does Steph Curry go back into the starting lineup? Uh, that is uh, the question du jour over the first hour of the program. Uh, one text before we get to a, a phone call, Whitey, uh, and you know this was a, a good one that came in here on the Xfinity mobile text line. Uh, ridiculous to keep the lineup as is. That is a ridiculous take. Going from Denver to Memphis will be like going from the Washington Generals to the Globetrotters. Get Steph back in there. What difference does it make, though, you know, he's going to play the same number of minutes if he's starting or not, if that impacts Jordan Poole? I understand the point, though. And I don't are you do you still give Minnesota even a puncher's chance, J.D.? Because I think their soul has been ripped uh, out of their bodies after that loss. Minnesota, I don't think, has a very good chance at all. As surprising as that game one win was, I think it's. At almost certain that they're going to play Memphis in the next round. How do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's. I wouldn't be surprised if Memphis winds up just winning the last, the next yeah. two games, and it's and it's over. I, I think that's a pretty demoralizing comeback. A highly volatile Minnesota team that we've talked about a lot, uh, and Memphis finding themselves. You know, Memphis is the kind of team that hasn't won anything yet, even a playoff series. So I'm not surprised that they're struggling with a, a very talented. Timberwolves team, but I, I think Minnesota's not going to win the series. Could they bounce back and win another game and, and force it to a sixth game? Or maybe, it, you know, I, I think it's possible. They are a volatile team. They are just as apt to get up 26 again as they are to blow the lead again. You know, if they yeah. have a, a big lead, that's just kind of who they are. But no, I, I do think Memphis is going to be the, the second round opponent, even though that one only sits at, at two to one. Uh, so, you know, you, you you look at it moving forward, and to me, Steph Curry goes back into the starting lineup at the beginning of the next series for sure, assuming the Warriors obviously sweep it uh, tomorrow with getting that Game 4 win here in Denver. Don't you feel like that might be assuming some risk in this sense? I understand it's going to happen eventually, but right now it is working. Pool starting is working great with Clay, as a caller pointed out. Steph coming off the bench, it's working marvelously. If Steph starts again, obviously that's not going to be a problem. But Poole coming off the bench, if he may struggle with that, then why is there the need to do that? How does that make you better just by doing that for for the next round? I know if Steph wants to start, 
Uh, and once his minute restriction is up, you want him on the floor as much as possible. But and until you get to that point, how does just making that switch of who starts, how does that make you necessarily better? It, it, it's, a, it's a really reasoned and well-thought-out take. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it – I think you're what you're looking at is you, you want to I think you want to have the best version of what your playoff self has to be. And I think if you look at the matchup, Whitey, it's got to be it's got to be Steph in the starting lineup. It's got to be Looney at the start of games and it's got to be go to the three guard lineup at the end of games or go to the three guard lineup at some mm-hmm. point in the series. If if the Grizzlies are giving you trouble. Mm hmm. Yeah, I get that. How far do you think this goes? And I know we touched on it earlier. Uh, with Steph coming off the bench, it's almost, in some ways, it, it, it echoes what Iguodala did years ago. Not as dramatic because, you know, Steph was hurt. But Iguodala accepting that role, I think, did a, went a long ways towards cementing the Warrior culture. And I think right now for Steph to do that, while there are some very practical concerns that you can't overlook, I think it's a reminder to everybody, this is what we're about and if I'm coming off the bench, you know, we, we, it's all about winning here. I think it's very significant in terms of that as well and the message it sends to the rest of the team. 888-957-9570. Our buddy uh, Matt Steinmetz listening to the show, and uh, he he put a group text to – he. I believe he thought it was to uh, me and to you, but it turns out he actually accidentally – and I – confirmed this with this person accidentally texted Whitley Sandretta. He does that a lot. Uh, he does, he does <laughs> that a lot. I, yeah. I know the great Whitley Sandretta, the director of, of digital uh, and, and does a great job covering the Warriors as, as well. Uh, yeah. So the, the text that you didn't get because it went to Whitley uh, says Minnesota too dumb to know their soul has been taken. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he, I think st- scootle ding. <laughs> first of all, that's, that's too bad. When I first met Whitley, and I think it was with you at a Warrior game before a game in the year that shall not be mentioned. That's like one of, if not the first thing she said to me is like, "Oh hi, I get your texts all the time." And I think Steiny was one of the uh, primary uh, offenders there. I don't know. Carl Anthony Towns is playing not like he's like dumb and doesn't care. He's playing like he's really feeling the weight of the fact that he you know he played poorly against the Clippers as well. What do you have four shots in the last game whatever it was? So, I I like the Timberwolves and I love Anthony Edwards. Uh D'Angelo Russell's an interesting player. They're fun to watch, but I just think they've met their match here and you know lose lose two 20-point leads at home like that. I again, I this is like the third time I've said this. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in the NBA playoffs. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. Let's get Charlie in in New York next on ninety five seven. The game. What's going on, Charlie? Hey, what's up, guys? Long time no speak. Um, wanted just to add my two cents in about all what you guys are talking about. I'm I'm with the mindset that you keep Jordan Poole in the, in the starting lineup. Like like Whitey just said, don't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, something my dad would refer to some people, including myself at times, uh, having irrational confidence. Jordan Poole seems to have this irrational confidence. And you guys, are, I don't know how fragile that is. Early in the year when he was starting, he was awesome. And then when Clay came back, he seemed to have, it, it, it affected him coming off the bench. He is playing at such a great level. And if everything is clicking, well, I, I understand what you said, J.D., about having your best five on the court. But 
any scenario you paint going into the next game or into the next series, if they're trailing big in the first quarter, then Steph comes in. If they're up big and Steph comes in, the, the opposing team's like, oh, no. And, and in the same scenario, if the game is tied or, or close, I, I just I, – I'm just I'm, – I'm more worried about Jordan Poole's – and I want to say he's immature. He's not an immature guy, but he's 22. He's a young guy. And emotionally or psychologically, he – he may not be able to handle it. I don't know. Um, maybe I'm not giving him enough credit, but he, he is playing at such an elite level and everything is just clicking so well. I, I, I'm on the mind to just leave it as is until they lose. But anyway, that's all I got, guys. I'll keep listening. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. It's fair to bring up the adjustment period that Jordan Poole needed when he was in and out. And I know Steph Curry's praised Jordan. He did the other day at shoot-around for, for being able to – to handle it, he didn't always handle it the best, but it, it is fair to wonder, isn't it? If you take him out, does that mean it takes him two or three games to get adjusted? And are those two or three games in the playoffs where maybe you lose one of them and it winds up altering a series? Fair question. Yeah, that's how I see it. There is some risk involved based on what we've seen from Jordan Poole in the past. And Charlie said maybe he's not given enough credit. You know that. That's not a matter of that. It's just we know in the past that he has struggled a little bit there. So why do you assume that risk? What are you gaining by assuming that risk right now? I think we all agree right now there's just no reason to do it in the next round. I, I, and I think it's an easier sell to him if that's an issue. And maybe it's not. Um, maybe he's going to be fine with that. Maybe he understands it's where it's headed. But if something happens where, all right, we have to make this adjustment because it's not working, then I think it's easier an easier sell to him. We have to do this for the good of the team. I just don't see any reason to assume that, all right, once the Memphis series starts, we're going back to Steph. Now, unless Steph feels that way and his minutes are such that you can have him on the floor more often if he starts, that makes sense. But otherwise, just because, well, we're going back to that because that's the plan as well as this is working, I don't I, I don't see the reason there. But I also see this. It's going to be a whole different ball game when you're playing presumably Memphis. And a lot of the things that are working right now for this uh, this starting lineup and for the, the the lineup of five that we're talking about, you know, it's it's an open question as to whether it's it's going to be as effective against Memphis because they're just uh, such a really good defensive team and Denver just simply is not. 888-957-9570, the 650. Why does Clay have to start? Can't we just have Dre, Steph, Poole, and Wiggins? Because he Looney wants to. Clay? Right, exactly. Clay it. might, yeah. more than anybody, Clay, I think, would low-key demand to start in a way. Yes, yeah, and that's a big part of it. Yeah, Clay don't want to do that. That's why you hear that when Kerr says, oh, I would never bring Clay off the bench. Why not? Because Clay doesn't want to come off the bench, and that's an important factor here. The other question, and the 510 brings this up on the Xfinity Mobile text line, do you just roll in the next series with the three-guard lineup and Wiggins and Draymond starting at center? Can you get away with that against the size? And it's not just size in terms of bigs. Jaron Jackson Jr., I think it's going to be tough for, for Steven Adams to, to be a factor against the Warriors. We've seen how that plays out in the past. He's hurt the Warriors in some regular season games where he's, he's hit them on the offensive boards when, when the Warriors have been a little bit smaller. But we've seen them in the playoffs been, been able to, to render him ineffective, even going back to the, the Oklahoma City days. The other part, though, is, and I think it should be discussed, why does it have to be 
loony out there, and, and you could make the case the best five is the five with Draymond and Wiggins and the, and the three guards. Do you start that way, and is it too much to expect to play that, that group together 20 or 25 minutes a game? Well, I agree with what you said uh, earlier that I still think that you're you're better off saving that lineup for when you need it and it's going to be more impactful that way. Um, I, now, why exactly that is an advantage, I, I have a harder time quantifying that, but we've seen that in the NBA. I think it's great to have that card to play when you need it. So that would be the answer there. But more than Memphis's size, and obviously that's an important consideration, I, J.D., I would be more concerned with their perimeter defense. They're a really good team defensively. You go back to that first game um, that the Warriors played against Memphis, and Memphis actually beat them, right? That was a first loss for the for the Warriors this year. And overall, the Warriors' uh, shooting numbers were pretty good, but there were definitely times when Memphis had success forcing the Warriors off the three-point line. So, obviously, they know that that's where their job defensively starts. And I think, yeah, they have some size, but they're also really uh, adept at playing you really tight and well and physically on the perimeter. That's where I think they give the Warriors the most problems. Definitely, and that's where the resistance would be in play on a level that the Nuggets just haven't been able to. I think that the whole – Generals Globetrotters thing is unfair, and, and we did have a texter point out, hey, that's disrespectful to the Nuggets who won 48 games and might have the MVP of the league. But, yeah, the style of play and the physicality and all of that on the on the wings and the ability to kind of muck up the three-guard lineup a little bit and and make physically the series take a, a toll on the Warriors is, is something that, that should be accounted for. City Boy in San Francisco on 95-7 the game. What's going on, City Boy? Oh, man, out running some Saturday errands. Really always enjoy hearing you guys talk hoops on, on a Saturday morning. Um, and, yeah, I just wanted to chime in on the dubs here. Um, the one thing I just wanted to say is I'm I'm just not too worried about the rotations and, and the lineup switches because I really trust this team and I really trust Steve Kerr. Um, and, you know, the thing that's so great about Steve Kerr is he's such a tremendous communicator. I promise you guys the team knows exactly what the plan is. Whatever we're guessing and speculating, they already know. Um, and Draymond is so honest, and, and I'm pretty sure he, he let the, as Jose Canseco would say, he let the cat out the hat. Um, Jordan Poole's staying in the starting lineup, and Steph is going to start, which pretty much leaves us to Looney and Wiggins um, coming off the bench. And, you know, I, I, I kind of agree with what J.D. was saying, that, that you don't want to play that card. You don't want to start with your, with your um, you know, death lineup or – or a splash mob, or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think that it'll probably be Wiggins coming off the bench, even though he's never come off the bench ever in his entire career. But um, but that's just what I think. But uh, this team is on a mission. I mean, and when you know when you talk about championship DNA, you know that that's all well and good. But but this team is hungry, man. I mean, have you ever seen a team with this much experience, this many chips? This hungry. I mean, Jordan used to be hungry, right? I mean, and and I think that hunger is going to take them a long way because they understand what it takes to win 16 games. Um, and a lot of these teams really don't understand that. And um, so I think that's to their advantage, especially against a team like Memphis. Plus, the Warriors are going to have a chip on their shoulder because Memphis was chirping a lot. So I think that's going to be such a fun series. Um, and I, I can't wait, fellas. So, yeah, enjoy the postseason. I'll talk to you later. Thanks. Yeah, appreciate it, City Boy. Good good stuff there. Go ahead, Whitey. 
Well, one, I, I would quibble with City Boy in one area, and he obviously made some great points. And I think we all agree uh, that the death lineup, whatever we're calling it, yeah, you don't, we don't want to start that. Uh, as far as the rotations and you know who you start, it's a good problem to have, right? When you with you got Jordan Poole and Steph Curry, and they're both playing so well. But City Boy said that the team knows what the plan is. To a degree, they probably do. But JD, if you go back to what Steve Kerr has been saying for weeks, talking about. You know, we're going to be using different lineups at different times, and we're going to have a lot of flexibility. Now, he may not be forced into making switches and changes, but I think that what he was telling is everybody, you better be ready because we may need you at some point. I don't know when that is. So I think that that's one thing that we do know about the Warriors is there is a lot of uncertainty about who's going to play when, depending on matchups and series and who they're playing. So I don't think they know, and I think it's incumbent upon everybody to be ready, and I think we've seen that already in this series from a guy like Bielitsa wasn't playing as like, all right, you're up, and he played well. So not to quibble, but do they know? I'm not sure they know what the plan is because I think Steve Kerr and his staff have, have let everyone know the plan may be changing here depending on individual matchups uh, in a game and also in a particular series. Yeah, different rotations, different finishing lineups. I, I think all of that is is on the table for the Warriors depending upon who they play, but uh, a lot of, lot of boxes checked in the first yeah, yeah. Uh, three games of, of this series as far as just having confidence in it. the 10 that have played and, and been in the rotation, at some point, really all of them with maybe the exception of Looney, but Looney hasn't been really asked to do much. You know, only nine minutes in, in the game last night, 11 in game two, and I think it was about 13, yeah, 13 in game one. Hasn't been asked to do much other than fill the first handful of minutes of each half uh, against Jokic. And among the other nine, though, that have been in the rotation, I think every one of them has made a, a, a significant positive impact at some point in the series with the headliners, of course, being the three guards. Let's get Oscar and Stockton on 95.7 the game. 888-957-9570. Hey, Oscar. Hey, what's going on with you guys this morning? Doing well. Doing well. Okay, I just want to say uh, there's no way we win the championship with Steph still coming off the bench. That not mean to say that Jordan Poole will go to the bench, but it depends on who we're playing. That's going to determine who's going to be starting. But it ain't all about who's starting. It's all about who's going to end the game. And like you said, we got versatility. It all depends on who we're playing. Like we go, it's like the Memphis win. We're going to need Looney to start, but we will have heavy guard play because they got a lot of guards. And I know Steve Curry, and we, we got a lot of people to fix from. But that's why I say if Jordan Poole, no, if he comes off the bench, he's still going to not going to fracture. It's not going to fracture his, his confidence. Because like you say, Steve Curry's telling him to limit what is going on. But everyone knows Jordan Poole will be in there. So I want the Warriors, like I was calling in a couple of weeks ago, don't come. We got championship DNA, and Curry will be in the game. Okay. Thanks, Oscar. Thank you, Oscar. Good, good stuff. Good stuff from Oscar. There. We know who the closing lineup's going to be. At least, at least in pencil. Uh, at least in pencil. I think the the closing lineup at this point. And yeah, they they had a few bumps in game three compared to the first two games in the series. And in, in a couple of in, in one of the stints, to be sure. Uh, in, in the first half in particular, it wasn't as dominant as it had been in the first two games of the series. But in pencil, 
the closing lineup is Steph, Poole, Clay, Wiggins, and Draymond. If they play Memphis, uh, again, I know I'm making an assumption, but who do you have on jaw? Because, you know, we're talking so much about how good Memphis is defensively. How about the other side of it? Because if you can disrupt him, you can disrupt their offense. First, I was wondering whether Iguodala can guard jaw. Maybe some, but probably GP2. I'm not saying these guys are starting, but at some point, you know, when you're trying to disrupt their offense with a defensive lineup, GP2 on jaw. Do you think, what do you think, J.D.? Do you think it's fair to expect for, you know, a couple minutes at least? Could Iguodala guard jaw at this point of his career? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I that That's I a either. good question. I, 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 I'm inclined to say no <laughs> to Me that too. one. Just And, and jaw has just been a handful for, for the Warriors. I mean, go back to the, the play-in tournament elimination game in May uh, of last year, and it was just, I mean, incredible, the, the explosiveness and what he was able to do. I think you're going to see Wiggins on jaw at the start mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. games. I think trying to put mm-hmm. a little bit of length and, and ball pressure on him, on him there. Uh, I think the other big question, you said Iguodala, and you know, I was kicking this around with Steiny a little bit, could could Clay Thompson be asked yeah. to guard jaw and or is he just not there in your mind yet physically from the, and, and do you want to maybe put him in a spot where he's got a guard jaw and it maybe tires him out and hurts his offense a little bit which has been so explosive to this point all we know is that clay has made that request and be, i mean not specifically to jaw in the next round but he is asked to guard the other team's you know, top threat. So I think he'll certainly be volunteering. Um, so, yeah, I think if it's not Wiggins on jaw, again, I know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but, you know, this Denver series is finished, right? It's time to look ahead, even though it's it, it, the series isn't done yet. Um, but if it's not Wiggins starting on, on jaw, I think it would be uh, Clay. And I was just looking at that, you know, I've been looking so much at how – the Grizzlies are going to defend the Warriors. I haven't looked that much at the other side of it, and it gets more and more interesting as you look at the Warriors' defensive options against, presumably, the Grizzlies. Let's get Aaron in Oakland before we pause here. 888-957-9570. What's going on, Aaron? How are you? Hey, I'm good, Craig. Thanks, man. Long-time listener to y'all. I agree with, like, 80% of y'all takes most of the time. I think what we're seeing this year and what we need to have a deeper discussion about is the future. Fans think my favorite player, franchises think future and win, and you may be seeing the recipe laid here. To, this is how you get the max out of Curry for the next five years. And he plays till he's 40, and he's not running around doing what LeBron does. He's really affected. Steph Curry right now is coming off the bench is deadly. He's a problem. Teams must adjust. Play, the more playing time he's had, the better the productivity has come back from this injury. He continues to show up. There's so much here with Letty Looney getting the play time and the development and the way Wiggins is showing up. There's, this is a no-brainer. This is because if there's any player that I've watched in, in my entire span of watching basketball career that has the ego to absorb into, I'm coming off the bench and I'm still the most dangerous player in the game from 10 feet beyond the arc, it's Steph Curry. It's him. He can handle this, and it makes sense. He's 34. This may be the future for the next couple of years, fellas, and Kerr is a genius for this. That's all I got, man. 
Great call. We'll weigh in on what Aaron had to say coming back here. Phone lines are open. Text line is open. 888-957-9570. And we'll also hear a conversation uh, at some point between now and noon that uh, Willard and Dibbs had with Gary Payton II following the big Game 3 win. That's all as Warriors this week continues on 95.7 The Game. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason, 888-957-9570, setting the table for Game 4, Warriors and the Nuggets here in Denver, where I am currently, Ball Arena tomorrow, 12.30. The tip-off for that one, a little afternoon affair as the Warriors going for the sweep against the Nuggets, and the Nuggets trying to stay alive, force a Game 5. Warriors live at 11 tomorrow and then whitey we're uh we're, we're getting the yeah. band back together tomorrow post game uh, as i'm going to be from denver inside ball arena and uh, we got the we got the double threat post game tomorrow uh, from <laughs> about 3 30 until till 6 so looking forward yes. to that my man this is uh you know long time coming yeah i'm looking forward to it jd i really am and i enjoy uh where's this week with you so much i just want to real quick make a point here we were talking about Maybe, you know, Clay guarding Jaw in the next round. And, you know, I don't know about that. Here's some numbers, and it's easy to make too much of these. But, you know, I'm a big uh, fan of offensive rating, defensive rating, and that's per 100 possessions, what a team does with the guy on the floor. It's not really an individual number. It's what the team does with the guy on the floor. The highest defensive rating, and remember, you want a low defensive rating because it's points you allow. You want a high offensive rating and a low defensive rating. The highest defensive rating on the team in these first three games is Clay at 121. Um, so it's interesting because he's upside down, 111 offensive rating, 121 defensive rating. And we know you watch the games, he's played well, he shot well. So defensively, he's not close to what he was, this number would suggest. So we get to the next round. I don't think I want him guarding Jock. By the way, uh, Jordan Poole offensive rating, 144. Defensive wow. rating 116. Yeah, three games. Jordan Poole, 144 offensive rating. Unbelievable. I mean, just yeah. <laughs> incredible the way that he's played and the way the Warriors have, have played collectively uh, with, with Poole and Clay making shots uh, and then Steph Curry coming off the bench for crying out loud these last two games. It's, it's appeared, at least against this Nuggets squad, to be an abundance of riches. Before we get to Dave and Alameda and a couple of calls, quick bit of just breaking news here in the NBA. Uh, Scotty Barnes of the Raptors has won the Rookie of the Year Award. That has been just announced by uh, the NBA. Uh, He is the Kia NBA Rookie of the Year third player to win the award uh, win the award uh that that is a raptor damon stoudemire and vince carter the other two who won rookie of the year as raptors so yeah scotty barnes uh moved up the list and i think in you know people being so high on barnes in part was part of the reason why jonathan kuminga fell uh to the warriors at seven barnes takes home the the rookie of the year award I'm mildly surprised, and Scotty Barnes earned it, and he's such a great all-around player, an unselfish player defensively. Good for him. I kind of thought Evan Mobley might win it there, but congratulations. I just hope Toronto 
can stick around for at least a couple more games. And, you know, now with Joel Embiid has some kind of damage to his thumb, maybe that improves their chances. But I was I bought into the narrative pre-series that Toronto might have a, you know, puncher's chance in knocking off the Sixers. Doesn't look like that's going to happen, but I hope they don't get swept. Let's get Dave and Alameda on 95.7 the game. Hey, Dave. Hey, fellas, great show. You know, talking about the, the Warriors. Hey, great, talking about the Warriors and the playoffs and whatnot. I'm thinking the Warriors, I think it, to me it's so obvious that the Mavericks and the Warriors are going to collide if the, if the Warriors can get past Memphis. Because to me, it's, all year it just seems like I just seen Dallas. I play so many video games. I've seen Dallas is doing well. This guy, I like the way they play. I like the, their style. I like their, 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 their kind of like their scheme and whatnot that they're going with right now. It's going to be a great matchup if the Warriors can get there. Uh, and they got they got their star player coming back against Utah. I think they're going to get hopefully I they can get past you know Phoenix and whatnot. But I think for sure they're going to be in the finals. It's going to be a battle uh, with the Warriors. Hopefully that would be an amazing series to go to the the conference to get the, the NBA finals and whatnot. And I just think a lot of credit has to go to Jason Kidd. I want to give a lot of credit to Bishop O'Dowd for not letting him play basketball as a freshman. So he went to, over to Alameda and played at. Uh, St. Joe's, basically a boring school that no one ever heard of, and now because of him, it's one of the, it, for a long time it was one of the coolest little you know private schools around. I mean, where did this guy come from? A super, maybe the, mo- the most talented player in the history of the NBA from a state from a talent perspective. Because you got to remember, I saw this kid on the baseball field when he was a freshman, six foot four, faster and bigger than Derek Jeter. He was going to play at Cal Berkeley. He was on the team over there practicing all the time. But just like at St. Joe's, the basketball just took him away because he was so much better at basketball. And there's so much money. But this guy had super speed. He had bat speed. He hit 10 balls, 450 <laughs> feet out right when he got to the field. There was another kid named Adrian Ely that was on the team dunking with him. And Dave, uh, Dave, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump in. Good stuff. Appreciate the call. I, I know. I think the, uh, the LaMelo ball praise has turned into Jason Kidd praise weekly on, on this show. I remember seeing Jason Kidd play in high school in the state championship game. I can't believe it. I think it was 30 years ago, wow. right around this time, uh, when I was a kid uh, at the old Arco Arena in, in Sacramento when he was playing for, for St. Joe's and, and, and won the title. And I remember I remember going to the game with my dad then and, and my dad saying, hey, this guy is going to be in the NBA and like, be really good. And and yeah, and now here we are, all these years later, and you know Jason Kidd, obviously, uh, you know one of the all-time greats. It's funny and you say that because I remember coaching. that playoff run too, and being a kid and yeah. going to watch that. We're showing our age, bro. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, Craig. Definitely showing yeah. showing the age there. So yeah, Dave Dave shifting from uh, the old <laughs> Lamelo Ball now to to Jason Kidd praise. Yeah, um, I think if that were to happen, if Dallas played the Warriors in the conference finals, I think. The league and the networks would love it. Luca against Steph. I don't think it's going to happen. It could. I do think Jason Kidd's done a really good job there, especially getting everybody to quote unquote buy in defensively. I think it's going to be uh, the Warriors in Phoenix. Let me just uh, neither here nor there. Watching the game last night, JD, and watching Phoenix, I've never seen any player get as many wide open twelve foot jump shots in the half court as Chris Paul. <laughs> 
You know, I mean, when they need yeah. a basket and he doesn't turn the ball over and it has something to do with the way he, you know, it, I think they call it, he snakes the pick and roll. So he comes off a screen and he doesn't go where the defense thinks he's going to go or something. And he just gets like, all right, I'm going to shoot a 10 foot jumper now and I'm going to make it. And I'm going to do that five times in a row. And it's like, wow, they're winning the game. I mean, he's so good at that. It's incredible. The Warriors uh, having a light practice right now uh, over at, at Ball Arena. And uh, the word, obviously with me doing the show, unable to, to attend. But word out of practice, good on the injury front. Uh, just updating the, the Draymond Green ankle tweak. And, and Jordan Poole got spilled to the floor a couple of times. Uh, elbow, I know he hit his head at one point. Maybe there was some concern over him, him falling flat on his back. Uh, all expected to, to be uh, available and ready to roll. The official injury report hasn't been submitted, but but should be uh, for tomorrow with designations uh, before we're off the air. Uh, so good news on the injury front with the Warriors expecting everybody to be available. Let's get Dre and Lamore uh, in here, and then we're going to hear that interview uh, with Gary Payton the second and Willard and Dibbs uh, from yesterday. What's going on, Dre? All right. And for the drink, hey, J.D., um, What's going on, man? Thanks for taking my call. Thanks, Whitey. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that one caller, uh, he was disrespectful right there, comparing the Denver to Washington. That wasn't cool. Um, hey, as far as the next round goes, Memphis, that young squad right there, it um, it really has me worried. I mean, those guys, the way they played us in the regular season, like you said, the length of the team – Bain, all their other, uh, all their other players just on the court, you know, especially Jaw, you know. But do you guys foresee that? Since uh, it would be Memphis's a split, would just uh, would would that would that be satisfactory in the first round? <laughs> uh, a, a split, uh, and thanks for the call, Dre. Uh, 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 I'm not sure huh? what he was talking about there, Whitey. <laughs> I, yeah, look, split in the. I, in the first two <laughs> games saying, would be amazing. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, but he said a split in the first round. Sorry, Dre, we weren't quite sure where you were where you were going. GP two, we've been waiting for you, man. I don't know if you know this. We won't take offense if you don't. Do you know how big of a deal we've made you as a part of this show? Like we use your drops from the the beer incident in Indiana. You're like our favorite man. You're you're a big deal around here. I appreciate the love. I appreciate and I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, love having you on, man. Excited and, uh, and and interested to hear what it is that's really working for this team. And spotlight you for a second. Draymond Green talked last night about you know the real ones are the role players who can do it in the playoffs on the road. That means you must be one of the real ones. So how, how are you able to do that? Uh, just, just to stay ready, you know. Um, my whole career is just about, you know, being ready, you know, when my number is called. So just being ready and, um, you know, having to trust my teammates, my teammates trusting me, and, you know, just being confident and, and going out there and trying to make plays for my team. Making plays on both ends of the floor, knocking down threes, as Mark mentioned, 4-4 four, four offensively last night. But it's the defense that really strikes so many of us, your length, your ability to guard one through five. How much fun it is playing defense with Draymond, behind Draymond, and really on a defensive mentality-based team? Uh, it's amazing. Um like I said, uh, he's a, he's our leader. He's our vocal leader. He's our defensive leader. Uh, he leads us in the battle, and, and we follow. And um, it's been amazing. It's been so much fun, 
you know, playing side by side with him, uh, being in pick and rolls with him, and he's just communicating and leading our defense. It's just been so much fun, and it's really been the key point of our focus right now with our team and, and trying to push, you know, get a, get a nice little push here. Gary Payton, the second with us here on Willard and Dibbs, 95-7 the game. Uh, GP, there was a nice cover story on you a couple of days ago, and the quote that ran was, they let me be me. Uh, in, in talking about the Golden State Warriors as a franchise and why you've been able to find a role here. Expand on that if you would. What what, what did you mean in terms of what the Warriors allow you to do? Um, you know, they just they just don't, don't want me to be nobody else. They don't want me to, you know, focus on my shooting or, you know, just focus on one thing. They just uh, let me be me on both sides of the ball defensively. Uh, they let me, you know, they trust me in my instincts and my – my knowledge on that end to, you know, make plays for my team. And on the other side, you know, they tell me to be aggressive and they let me cut and play the dunker and, and, and do what I like to do is get behind the defense, you know, make plays. Which is more fulfilling because I love watching you play the dunker, but quietly now I'm becoming a huge fan of that nice, long, languid, lefty stroke. What's better to do? Because I've never done either in the NBA. <laughs> is it more fulfilling to get that back cut dunk or be able to stroke down that long three? Uh, the dunker the dunker is like home for me, and I, I like to work back there. And it, it's fun, you know, to get behind the defense and, you know, set screens or whatnot. And, and and just do stuff behind the defense. So I probably just like the dunker. But three, the shooting, shooting's pretty fun though. Uh, <laughs> GP, uh, we we've got to ask. I've got to know. Take us behind the scenes, man. What 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 happened with the butt pat with Jokic the other night? Take us through the whole thing. No comment. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait a minute. See now, come on, because the next the next day. I'm like, and I've actually, I'll, I'll share with you, Gary, I've had some conversations outside of the station with friends who were like, Mark, you're wrong. I said the butt pat is a part of sports. You can't be offended by the butt pat. So, I, I, I mean, it was surprising to me that he reacted that way. Were you surprised? Uh, yeah, like you said, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's a part of sports, you know, just be like, you know, you're playing well, keep going, you know, but, you know, everybody doesn't. I guess everybody don't take it like that, so it is what it is. Yeah, and I mean, it, it was coming on the heels of a fantastic uh, blocked shot of the Joker at the rim. Maybe that's why he took a little bit of offense. And, you know, again, last night, Mark and I were talking about how Bones was starting to maybe give it to you a little bit as Denver took the lead as somebody who, you know, not that you're a big trash talker, but there's some back and forth that you get into on the court. What was that last like last night where – Bones was starting to to chirp, and then you guys came back and got the win. Uh, no, you know it's just the competitiveness uh, in Bones. Uh, actually, Bones was came in for um, a pre-draft workout in in a Golden State, and you know everybody loved him. You know he was he was talking and getting buckets, and you know doing what he does. So um, I know that with Bones, and I know he's going he's going to chirp. You know if he gets going, uh, I like it. You know I take on the challenge, but uh, you know it was just all competitiveness in that. Does that change outside of the regular NBA game even more in the playoffs when you do have to see the same group three, four, five, six times in a row? And how do you manage that? Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you get tired of those guys. You know, you get tired of seeing those guys. You know, but you you know them. You you know what they're trying to get to at the end of the day. You know what they're trying to get to and who they're trying to put in, what action and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, after a while, we we get sick of guys. 
<laughs> and I, I can imagine, especially if a series goes six or seven, you know, it's easy to not be as sick of them when you, you're up three games to none. But it's got to be fun for you to, to go around the league now being where you are. I mean, having played for a number of different teams and struggling to catch on, and now you're a key piece on a championship contender. Does it allow you to maybe take a step back and, and breathe a little bit easier knowing now that you are much more cemented in the association? Uh, not, not, not quite. You know, we've still got a lot of work to do to finish off this uh, this season. That's been uh, phenomenal. Um, but you know, it, it does it does feel good to you know be be used and you know to be be used in in meaningful games and you know uh, and, and and really just you know be myself and, and let me go out there and, and play basketball how I know how to play. So you know that means a lot. GP2 with us on 95.7 The Game. Gary, uh, a, a number of years ago, sort of randomness led to me. I, I got to meet Jerry Rice Jr., Jerry Rice's son, who was an NFL wide receiver, and he spoke about the difficulty of sort of living up to that name when you walk into a room and, and, and a team sort of is expecting you to, to look like Jerry Rice. What's your story with, with that dynamic and, and sharing the name of a Hall of Famer? Um, I, I go about it and, you know, just having the same name as my dad is just, I had a completely, totally different route than he did. Um, you know, there's things that he won't understand in my career and there's things that I won't understand in his career. And, uh, people got to understand that. And I think people have started to figure that out that, you know, I craved my, I carved my own way, you know, however that was, whatever that looked like, and, you know, he did too. So. I didn't try to follow his footsteps in that regards, but you know I just tried to path out my own my own uh, my own uh, path, you know, and 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 just take it on. Whatever I was dealt with, I, I took, and whatever opportunity that was presented to me, I you know I just took on. Uh, hopefully, you're feeling the love here in Golden State because talking to fans like Mark and I do all the time, you are immediately a fan favorite, and one of your teammates is becoming a super fan favorite, Jordan Poole. What's it been like for you as a teammate watching Jordan Poole emerge and explode this season into a, a real superstar in the league? Oh, my God. It's exciting, you know, um, just from the beginning of the season, just from, you know, well, playing against Jordan in the bubble, you know, last year and then the G League bubble, you know, just to now. And then since I've been here, you know, he's just he's a non-star work, worker, a workhorse. Um you know he's so young, so talented, and he really took on the challenge. That big gap when uh when thirty went down for a little bit, and, you know he he helped us win games, and he's just carried on, and his confidence is getting more and more and more. And he has, you know, those three great vets, Steph, Clay, and Draymond. You know, that's giving him confidence, and you know he's working out with Steph and Clay and shot getting shots up and whatnot, and just boosting his confidence, and that's just carrying over. You know, he's just been been a tremendous piece to our puzzle right now. Gary, speaking of 30, what does it mean for this team that that Steph has been willing to come off the bench? Um, You know, yeah, everybody keeps saying, you know, Steph coming off the bench is just, you know, at the end of the day, we have have that unit that's going to finish the game, you know, however they want to start it, either or, you know, um, everybody's coming in ready. Steph, you know, just – Coming off the bench it just shows how much you know he he's putting the team in front of you know himself and you know if it's not broke don't fix it so you know whatever he 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 wants to do I'm sure you know it's going to work. 
what's it like having 30 on the bench? Because every time they cut to him on the camera, it seems like he's fidgety, he's edgy, he's like a kid, he's up, he's pacing, he's down. It's got to be pretty interesting watching 30 be a part of the bench crew. No, yeah, 30's bench mob right now. Uh, we, we're, we're loving it. Uh, yeah, I know he's, he's anxious to get out there because usually, you know, he can get it. He can get straight to it. But, you know, uh, he's, he's from bench mob, and I know he sits over there. He's just excited because, you know, we're, we're having so much fun out there playing with each other, you know, seeing each other succeed. So, you know, that's just what it is. GP2 right here with us, Willard and Dibbs, 95-7 the game. Uh, before we let you get back to your rest and uh, and your preparations for game four, uh, we got to have a little fun with what happened in Indiana earlier in the year. Uh, we call this the big finish, by the way, uh, with Gary Payton II. And just to refresh everybody's memory, a couple of the bites that have become a very, very central piece of this show when uh, when uh, accidentally bumped into some fans there in Indiana, knocked over a beer. Here's, a, here, here's of course, the bites that we use all the time. My fault, my fault. Okay, you so. A, a truly? Yeah, they're, they're, so, GP, come on. The first question, how did you know it was a truly so quickly? Uh, no, because uh, I picked I picked up the can and I, I seen it was a truly it was a strawberry lemonade truly, and uh, I can I already understood I seen it in his face and I said I understood I'm I said I got you don't worry yeah <laughs> I get you another one no it's perfect because then you came back with uh, can we get him another beer which was just I mean you were so like so sensitive to the plight because you know having grown <laughs> up around the league that beverage isn't cheap right no yeah exactly exactly it's not cheap and you know. I already, I already understood it. You know, he's trying to get a nice little buzz, and I had to make sure he got that. No, it's incredible. And just so you know, anytime I do anything in the world now, it's immediately my fault, my fault. My fault, my fault. Yeah, that's a party foul. We call those party fouls in my house. No, no doubt. And that's, I mean, I have like 11 more questions, but I'll give you question number two. When you're looking to unwind after a game or whenever you're just chilling, what is your favorite beverage of any variety? Uh, I like I like I like wine. I like to drink a a, a cab. A cab. Okay. Are, and are you are you into pairing it or just whatever? It's a cab. No, I just what this is just a cab. Yeah, yeah, I got you. All right, and then speaking truly, uh, where did you learn the art of trash talking? Was it from dad or someone or somewhere else? No, yeah, it's, it's got to be, you know, it's got to be from Dad, you know. It started there, and that's where, where it was introduced to me, too, I'm, probably, I'm pretty sure. And then just from there, it's just, it just opened up the, the whole flood. And is that where the defensive focus and the ferocity comes from, too? Because I remember watching your dad and just the look on his face, like, I'm going to stop you, I'm going to shut you down, and you have that same sort of intensity. Yeah, um, it has a little bit to do with that, and you know, just coming back, growing up, uh, spending summers in in Oakland with my cousins, you know, hanging out, you know, them just making me tough and whatnot, and playing, and you know, just messing around. So, you know, I just kind of put two together. Uh, Gary, thank you so much for uh, for jumping on with us and taking time out of your day in a playoff series. And if any of our questions were stupid, then. Uh, uh, our fault, our fault. No worries, no worries. Okay, bud. Thanks, thanks for doing it, man. Appreciate you guys having me. All right, there he goes. GP2. Oh.